Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Tyler Dalton, and I'm a clinical community pharmacist in Birmingham, Alabama, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Uh, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast broadcasting from Ankeny, Iowa. We're going to talk with innovative new pharmacy practitioners and soon-to-be pharmacy graduates. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or subscribe to my YouTube channel at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 videos on drug pronunciation, memorization, and the top 200 that supports my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology. If you're a P3, going to A. SHP Mid-Year 2016, make sure to find or make sure to link uh, your leadership accomplishments on the Twitter uh, to hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. Uh, we'll be providing a stipend for one student registration, and we'll announce that person October 28th, 2016 on the show. Uh, today, we're going to talk about nutrition and life and just after pharmacy school with Tyler Dalton, PharmD, a fourth-generation pharmacist and very recent graduate of the Harrison School of Pharmacy at Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. He earned his Bachelor of Science from Auburn University in Biomedical Sciences in 2012 and PharmD from Auburn in 2016. Professionally, he works as an outpatient clinical community pharmacist in Birmingham, Alabama, and he provides a bridge between traditional medicine and the next-generation approach to health and wellness by promoting nutrition through social media. He also served as a managed care, serves as a managed care a motivational interviewing and wellness training consultant. Uh, we'll find out how his experiences, especially those leadership opportunities outside the classroom, uh, have allowed him to experience and share his passion for nutrition through social media and given him a very positive outlook on his pharmacy future. So welcome, Tyler, to the Pharmacy Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Tony. I'm glad to be on the Pharmacy Podcast. Always love listening to it on my drives or when I'm running. Sounds good. Uh, Tyler, I want to get right to something that we talked about earlier this week, and, and that's your passion for sharing nutritional advice. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you spread that information. Sure, Tony. Uh, so as we know, the foods that we eat are the foundation to living a healthy life. And I don't Absolutely. know about you, but in pharmacy school, that's not something that really talked about. Um, it's something that's often glossed over. And I know several of my colleagues in medical school, uh, they feel the same way about it. However, Auburn did a really good job preparing us to evaluate literature and to evaluate um, different studies that are coming out. And so for me, nutrition has always been something very important to me. And since we didn't learn about it in school, I take my personal time and I look at the newest studies that are coming out. Um, and I'm very diligent about trying to find um, the most evidence-based medicine or evidence-based foods that are out there to help patients leave, uh, to lead a healthier life. Um, and I know nutrition is very um, broad subject. It can have very conflicting data or conflicting information that's coming out. And so I feel obligated as a pharmacist to use my skills and my knowledge um, to share with others, you know, the foods that are the healthiest and, and things to avoid and to really narrow down the spectrum of, of and reduce the confusion. And so, Tony, like yourself, um, I love to teach. And so um, using those baseline skills and knowledge that we learned in pharmacy school plus my passion for nutrition, I've taken, um, I guess, a new approach to use social media to engage with a broader patient population or friends and family and share with them nutrition information. So this has really given me a very broad approach um, to help people live a healthier life and really show them 
on a day-to-day basis, it's not that hard to do, and it's very um, easy to integrate into a healthy um, daily lifestyle. Okay, so I was really excited when you you told me that uh, you throw this out on Snapchat, and uh, I have to confess that I really like YouTube. I've got a number of videos on there. I like Twitter. I like connecting with other people on there. Uh, Facebook I'm familiar with. My wife loves Snapchat. I don't really get it that much. So if you could, you know, kind of educate me and educate the listeners on uh, how would you use Snapchat uh, to get nutrition advice out there in a cool way, something that's really engaging because it sounds like that's what you do. Sure. So Snapchat has really grown leaps and bounds over the past few years for millennials ages 18 to 31. It has the the broadest daily use. Um, And really, it's just a very quick and easy way to engage with people. Um, And you send seven-second videos. You can send messages through Snapchat. And it's just throughout the week, I'll send videos of my daily foods that I'm eating, how I'm preparing them. And then I'll often get questions back about um, what foods I'm eating, why I'm eating them. And then throughout the week, I've started to schedule more of a routine. So on Sundays, I have a meal prep day and I'll do a snap story where basically I'll explain what I'm about to do, about to go to the grocery store and buy these ingredients and just give a very brief um, reasoning as to why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, and it really um, gives an instructional way in a non-formal aspect. And it's been very uh, positive feedback that I've gotten back from a lot of people. Again, it's, it's not edited. It's not, you know, it's just very clean and very easy to do. And so that's why I've enjoyed Snapchat versus YouTube. Um, which I think I'll get to eventually down the road, but it just takes much more time to edit the videos. And I think Snapchat just more of a real world view of what's actually going on. Yeah. And you, we talked a little bit about Facebook live and, and how uh, really you're doing this on your own somehow. Uh, and uh, maybe, you know, getting you into a studio or something like that where uh, you could, uh, I don't know, do this um, on Facebook live, but also, uh, get it out there uh, to that kind of social media. I know vid- video is the the big thing now. Um, how do you do this yourself? I guess it, somebody's excited and you know, here's what you're doing. Uh, how would they do it? How do they set it up? Sure. So I really just think the best thing to do is just to do it. So with Snapchat, anyone can do it. It's a seven second video. You just press and hold what you're doing, um, and then you can explain you know, to folks. You know, hey, I'm eating the salad. I'm eating you know these five ingredients on it. Um, it's just very easy to do. I think it's very user friendly. You can touch a broad audience in it. And I think one of the best things about Snapchat is you can just react to people's responses. So that's been one of the biggest things for me is to send a video out or send out a recipe. And I get so much response back, um, whether that's people, you know, enjoying what I've showed them or they've tried it and they've loved it or uh, they've actually gone out and done it themselves, which is, I think, the most encouraging thing is to really, again, teach people the skills and the baseline knowledge so that they can carry out and do it themselves. So for a user trying to do it on their own, I think just, you know, start videoing what you're doing throughout the day or throughout the week um, and sharing with your followers and your friends if that's something that you're passionate about or you're interested in. And then, again, reacting to the responses that you get. Some are good or most are good and some are bad. But, again, I think those are great ways to fine-tune what you're doing. So how can people get to see you? How do they know uh, when your show is on? It uh, it sounds like it, it may not uh, be something that I have to be there at a certain time, uh, or it may be. Uh, but how do they how do they see you? Um, how can they reach you? So with Snapchat, it does actually have a short 24-hour window. So whenever I post a video, it has 24 hours for someone to view it. 
um, and then it goes away. But most of the time I save those, um, and eventually I'll get to, get to uploading them to YouTube. But you can add me on Snapchat, at Tyler Dalton, and I'll send a link to um, in the show notes so they can add, add me on there. But uh, it's very simple. Just take a picture of the image, and it pulls up my Snapchat. And like I said earlier, I've started getting more of a regiment. So on Sundays I do a meal prep, and that goes through my grocery list and how I'm actually preparing the foods. Um, and then on, I started doing Pancake Tuesday. Every Tuesday I make uh, very healthy, uh, diabetic-friendly pancakes that have been extremely delicious, and I get really good response on those. Um, I've actually had a group of people that started coming over on Tuesdays for uh, pancakes, which is pretty interesting to see that kind of grow over the past few weeks. It, it sounds like you may actually grow your uh, – if you ever own a pharmacy, you may actually grow your uh, customer base before you ever open the doors, which – isn't a pr- bad problem to have. Absolutely. So that's pretty exciting. Absolutely. Okay. So you recently graduated. Um, what made you decide to become a clinical community pharmacist instead of a residency or maybe a post-PharmD MBA? It sounds like you've got all of these uh, innovative things and it just sounds like, you know, you're, you are the entrepreneur uh, and you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Sure. So I think the debate for most pharmacy students is, you know, should I do a residency? Is it right for me? Um, it's a very confusing time. And so to help answer that question, I made sure that I picked APPE rotations that would really give me a broad perspective of the type of experiences I would have during a residency. And also I wanted to see, you know, is that something that I would want to do not only for the next year, but also, you know, does that fall into my career goals? And so for me, um, I had a number of opportunities to do uh, very intensive clinical experiences on my APPE rotations and, you know, I really enjoyed those. But at the end of the day, I knew that community pharmacy was for me and I knew that I could still uh, implement the services and, and the things that I wanted to do. And I didn't think um, a residency was the right thing for me. And I didn't want to do a residency for residency's sake. And so um, I decided it was better for me to, um, to go out and start working immediately. And I have significantly more free time on my own to look into things like um, – nutrition education to diabetic training education. And so it's really given me a lot of extra time to do the things that I want to do and go all in. Awesome. So I I mentioned in the um, introduction that you are uh, a number of consultants. Uh, Could you go through the three types of consulting that you do? And and really, uh, you just graduated last year, right? Right. That's correct. I graduated in May. Yeah. So you sound like you've been in practice for 10, 15 years. Uh, how does somebody get into this type of consulting, you know, right out of uh, school as you have? Sure. So a lot of it really did come through my rotational experiences. So uh, one of the, my favorite rotations was working with a managed care company. And what we do is we partner um, with large insurance companies or large corporations and we really focus on that 5 and 10% of the population that carries the bulk um, of the financial burden. So we look at patients who are on 10 or 15 medications and, and very high dollar medications. And as a pharmacist, this is pretty exciting because we get to use our clinical skills to work with these patients um, and these companies to optimize their therapeutic regimens. And also, we get to provide a dual benefit to the companies by providing value because we are you're not only optimizing their therapy to make sure they're on the best medications for themselves, but also uh, the most financially, you know, the best, uh, best price medications. 
Okay, so uh, it sounds like uh, there's some pharmacoeconomics in there. Can you explain how uh, that kind of works just a little bit more? Because we hear pharmacoeconomics and maybe we think pharmacomacroeconomics. Sure. But it sounds like you're talking pharmacomicroeconomics where we're actually talking about a single group of patients or maybe just a patient uh, and how we can save uh, money that way. Right. So this, you know, this is a, uh, a sector of pharmacy that's not that often talked about in pharmacy school, but so I am thankful for the opportunity to work with them uh, on my rotations and now as a pharmacist. But again, we're looking at these patients who are on 10, 15, 20 medications. Um, a lot of times they are on very expensive pain medications that are on brand name medications when there's a generic alternative. And so we will look at that and if it's in the best interest of the patient um, and doesn't alter the therapy any, we'll reduce that. And it's shocking to see um, just a brand to generic conversion, how much that will save them, um, not only on a monthly basis, but on an annualized basis. So that's really what we do. We take a patient, um, we look at the overall cost that we can reduce them on a monthly basis, and we annualize that out and then present that to the company. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what about this motivational interview training? I think that's uh, – I don't want to call it a buzzword, but maybe it's something that uh, we don't really understand, but maybe – you know, we would know if we saw it, but what is motivational interview training? Uh, how did you get involved and uh, what's your role? Sure. So motivational interviewing is something Auburn students are very familiar with. We learn about this um, our first and our second year in pharmacy school. And then our third year, I took the motivational interviewing elective and worked with uh, Dr. Jan Kavukchen, who is a motivational interviewing expert and well known around the country for this topic. And what it is, is basically just comes back down to baseline. So you work with patients to see uh, what barriers exist to them taking their medication, to getting their medication, um, and then using their internal motivation to actually um, get them to make incremental changes in their life, whether that's from changing the foods that they eat to changing uh, some increment, me, adding more uh, physical activity in their daily regimen or even you know reducing uh, the amount of cigarettes that they smoke in a day. And so what I've had the opportunity to do is work with Dr. Kavukchin and partner with large corporations to train their employees. So we go in and we work with teams of 10 to 50 and we train their employees on motivational interviewing so that they can spread that amongst their constituents. So we work with nurses, pharmacists, social workers, and really affects everyone in the healthcare field. Um, and really all of us as humans, I think this is a skill that we can all benefit from. And so it's been a very enriching experience to do this um, over the past five years now. I've really enjoyed this experience. Okay, so uh, this is something I think many pharmacy students or pharmacists make is a mistake, or maybe you would say is a mistake, is that uh, your job doesn't start, it sounds like, for you when you graduate. It sounds like you've started working at it, maybe not getting paid right away, but uh, you've started working at it uh, during school. So that kind of segues into the next thing. With Can you explain the difference between motivational interview training and wellness training? Uh, consulting, because you mentioned that as your third uh, type of consulting. Yeah, so this is a newer sector I've recently gotten into, and this is just, again, starting with smaller companies, and I actually do integrate some of the motivational interviewing into it, because, again, it's the foundation of getting people to change the way they're doing things. Um, and that's basically just using nutrition and wellness to help companies, um, you know, I'll go in and do a basic nutrition class, uh, very short-segmented um, it can be a three to five part series where we'll go over basic nutrition and we go over lifestyle changes and modifications. And I think overall corporate wellness programs are beginning to grow significantly. And I think this was the easiest way for me to get into it 
um, at a very surface level and offer some of my skills and knowledge. And so I'm hoping to grow this sector over the next few years and, and hopefully develop into a, a rather large uh, part of my life. Okay. And so uh, are you looking to own your own pharmacy? And then um, I would ask what services you're going to provide, but you've kind of talked a little bit about that. But do you eventually look to own your own pharmacy and what might that look like over the next years? Absolutely. That's definitely been something I've, I've wanted to do since I started pharmacy school. I knew uh, community pharmacy was one of the fields I want to go into and particularly ownership. I think that, um, you know, I've God's given me some some experiences and some leadership opportunities to kind of guide me towards that. I've had some exceptional mentors throughout my career. Um, and I think, you know, now more than ever, the field of pharmacy continues to evolve. And, you know, there's so many opportunities out there for community pharmacists to expand their practice, whether you're in a chain or whether you're in your own store. I think there are so many opportunities. Um, and some things I would really like to do would be, for sure, a foundational nutrition education class. Um, and that can segue into you can do diabetic, diabetic education. Um, you can do, again, wellness programs. You can do uh, exercise classes. There's so many opportunities you can do within um, a pharmacy, uh, especially if you own your own pharmacy. So I think that that really excites me. And also just being able to touch patients in different ways and add services as we you know evolve or as we develop. I think um, that's very exciting to me. Yeah, when we were talking before, the one thing that kind of struck me was that if you're successful in your consulting, most many of your patients will actually reduce the number of medications uh, they have. And I think sometimes uh, maybe we forget with medication therapy management, just the buzzword that we don't talk about that. So uh, can you talk about some of the success maybe you've had in getting patients off medications altogether with some of these techniques? Sure. And again, this is... Uh an evolving process, and and it definitely helps to um, you know, have expert advice to work with your physician. And, and I definitely, when I'm working with patients, I don't tell them uh, face value. I say, you know, make sure to run this by your physician and, the, and your healthcare team to ensure this. But I provide them with opportunities and advice to to reduce the amount of medications. And as you mentioned, um, you know, several food groups that you eat can one contribute to. Uh, worsening your conditions, but also foods can help reduce that. And so I think using nutrition, it's, it's something that we need to, all healthcare practitioners need to integrate more into our practices. Um, but I've been able to work with diabetics to, you know, reduce their insulin loads or to reduce, um, if they're on three or four medications, being able to reduce that down to two or one medication. Um, I know there are health experts out there, um, that are completely getting people off their diabetic medications again, which is something that is uh, completely out of the outside the spectrum that we would think of normally. But uh, it's pretty amazing to think that that is a possibility. Um, and I'm hoping to, you know, continue to share that information, share that evidence that's out there. Um, Cause there is, a, there is data to support that. And so I think that is the most uh, fascinating thing. And then being a pharmacist, we can help them safely get off their medication. So I think that puts us in a unique position as well. Yeah, no, this is really exciting. I'm going to uh, actually turn gears a little bit to talk about uh, everything you were involved in kind of leading up to you graduating. So we'll start with the foundation, which is tell me about your family ties to Auburn University and a little bit about the Auburn experience, especially as it relates to uh, you joining uh, the NCPA uh, Student uh, Association. I know their national meeting is October 15th to 19th in New Orleans. So I'd like to hear what... Uh, 
you did, uh, you know, how you developed from a P1 and joining NCPA decided on that. And then what you did in your last two years is really uh, a very valuable member of the national uh, NCPA team. Sure. So my family history with Auburn goes back many, many generations. I'm actually a fourth generation pharmacist, um, all of which or I guess three generations coming from Auburn. And then my great grandfather was not actually uh, a student. It was apprenticeship back in that time. And then I'm the seventh pharmacist in my family. So uh, for one, pharmacy was, I guess, always uh, the career goal that was destined for me. Uh, and then also going to Auburn was that as well. So I grew up in Alabama, been an Auburn fan my entire life. Um, and I knew that's that's where I was supposed to go. So undergrad, I did four years there. And then uh, when evaluating pharmacy schools, I looked around at several other programs, but I did not find another program that was um, that I felt that clicked as much as Auburn did. I knew the staff and the faculty very well and several students that were already in the program. It just felt like home, and I also thought that the curriculum helped provide me um, the skills and the opportunities to become the best practitioner possible once I graduated. Awesome. And then what about NCPA? Uh, you mentioned that uh, they were very active, uh, even including you as a P1. And when we think of maybe P1, P2 year, we think of the old way that medical school used to be, where you just sit in a classroom and you listen and then you start talking. Uh, but you, Auburn was uh, very active in recruiting you or very active in, in helping you and giving you support. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think our NCPA chapter is one of the strongest in the country and particularly our um, our leadership at that time. So when I came to pharmacy school, I wanted to give each organization an opportunity. So I went to all of their meetings, joined all 13 organizations. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. <laughs> which was very time consuming and, and not very friendly on the wallet. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's good to always know what you don't want to do. And so I think that helped. But NCPA, the leadership there was um, – was exceptional. When I saw them, they were extremely involved, not only within the chapter, within the school, but within the community. And I think more importantly, they sought us out, uh, especially as P1s. You feel like you're coming in, you're kind of low guy in the totem pole, and what do you really have to offer? But um, a couple of people, uh, Bupati Savaraman and Matt Savoy are some of my really good friends, and they were president-elect and president of the organization at the time. And they were just such great mentors and peers, and they really encouraged me to get involved in NCPA. I ran for a position my first year, um, and so I was the, the student council representative for the first year, and that kind of gave me some experiences to lead some health clinics and some health fairs. Um, so as a P1, that felt uh, pretty intimidating, but looking back, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy to think this is, you know, the, the steps we make as we go. But uh, I transitioned from all the way from P1 representative to I was our student uh, president at Auburn for NCPA. And then that led to an opportunity to work with NCPA on a national level where I was selected to the, the National Student Leadership Committee, which is a group of 16 students from around the country. And this is a two-year stint that um, gives us experiences working with current and developing chapters. We can help them add uh, services or ways to market new members. Um, and also we get to work with NCPA executives on a national level and uh, serve on different committees. So I was on the national legislative committee for the state edition. So uh, that was a great experience working with some of the best and brightest, you know, uh, executives from around the country within community pharmacy. So not only was it a great learning experience, it was an exceptional um, networking experience as well. And I think some of the folks that I've met through that have been great mentors for me as well. 
Um, and I really do thank Auburn for their encouragement to to be involved with extracurriculars because you know we are there to learn about pharmacy and to understand the medications. Um, but for me, uh, I found so much passion in being involved in extracurriculars. I, oftentimes, my my peers or my faculty advisors would say we well, should probably not do as much with extracurriculars. But I made it I made it work, and that was definitely a priority for me to trying to balance studying with meetings or community events, which is, again, something I was so passionate about and I love doing so much. Well, very little, very few employers will look at your GPA, but they will look at the things that you've done. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, and we didn't talk about this before, but uh, our Iowa Pharmacists, Pharmacy Association is very active. They keep us up to date. Um, they have the Midwest Pharmacy Expo in February, which connects nine pharmacy associations here in the Midwest. So you were active with the Alabama Pharmacy Association back as a student. Uh, what kind of roles did you have with them, and how did you get into those positions for some students that may be looking? to be part of an association or do APPE rotations at uh, an association? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give Alabama Pharmacy Association or APA so much credit. Louise Jones is the executive director, and she, as soon as you meet her, you know she's on fire for pharmacy, and you know uh, you really can't turn away from her because she is just passionate about what she does, and that is instilled um, in everything. And so everyone in Alabama knows about Alabama Pharmacy Association. They know Louise Jones. And they know how much she cares about it. So as first-year pharmacy students, she always does an annual meeting. She comes at the beginning, you know, gives them exceptional reasons why to join, whether it's uh, learning experiences, whether it's our annual conference um, or networking experiences. And Alabama Pharmacy Association is very, very involved. Um, like you mentioned with Iowa, um, they give out um, legislative updates. They give out um networking opportunities so they're very involved throughout the year and as a first year student I was able to join um, the membership committee so I was involved in recruiting uh, pharmacy students from our school and trying to get them to join APA uh, and then that kind of progressed throughout my years I was I continued to stay on the membership committee I worked with the legislative committee as well to help draft and develop some legislation that we would uh, submit to the gov- uh, governor I feel like there might be a continuing education coming out of the Alabama Pharmacy Association that might have to do with Tuesday pancakes or something I, like that. So this, so this might all come full circle. I'm pretty excited. Yes, sir. Um, okay. Well, uh, uh, so next month, uh, students uh, around the country are kind of looking at their APPEs, but they're really, they're just getting into their third year. Maybe they don't know you know, what they're going to do. Uh, what kind of advice do you give somebody because you're really kind of maybe making a decision without as much information as you would like? So what worked well for me, I think, is asking those who've been there before you. So reaching out to, you know, your peers that are one and two years above you, asking about rotations, um, you know, asking their advice. I'm a big fan of, you know, learning from others and learning how others have done. And that, that definitely helped me a lot decide you know, which faculty rotation is going to provide me the most experience or the best experience in this particular field. And then also making sure your electives are in tune to something that you're really passionate about. So for me, I had two very unique elective experiences. I worked, um, I worked in a, uh, at the FDA in the controlled substance department in the regulatory affairs. And uh, it was very interesting to see a completely different aspect of pharmacy. Um, and then I also worked, um, at an infusion, pharmacy here uh, in South or in Mississippi. And again, those were just great opportunities that were outside of the box. And I think just trying to be well-rounded in your rotations so you can 
um, experience a lot of different things. I think, you know, I would love to see maybe even a two year rotational experience for students because there is so much out there. Uh, you know, there's, it's not just clinical pharmacy and it's not just retail pharmacy. There are a number of different aspects. And so I would encourage students to, you know, step outside the box and take a rotation that you may not, you know, feel is within your skill set or may not feel that you're, you know, capable of doing, but you never know really what you're able to do until you're actually faced with it. And then when you look back, you know, a month or two, two months later, you're really amazed at the ability or, you know, your ability to get through that experience. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so you know, we're broadcasting out of a community college. Uh, the, this podcast in my realm will go to high schoolers and uh, pre-pharmacy students and, and certainly the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Um, but I guess uh, what is the best piece of advice that you could give a person looking to get in the pharmacy profession today? Uh, you, Even though you had this long lineage of pharmacy, you still did your due diligence. So what advice do you have uh, to the high schoolers and to the maybe freshmen and sophomores out there thinking about pharmacy as an option? Don't feel fail. Don't fear failure. You know, get out there, find someone who's doing what you want to do. Find a community pharmacist, find a hospital cardiology pharmacist find someone who's in the field that you want to do and go experience it go shadow them work with them um, be that annoying person that keeps knocking on their door. <laughs> you know yeah. that's go after it yeah go after it and so don't be afraid to um to seek out what you want and then if that's something that you're into go all in give 110 percent uh, but i think there's no excuse not to um see something before you try to apply to pharmacy school so you know definitely make sure you know what you're getting into but there's so many opportunities within pharmacy. Uh, there's, you know, community pharmacies and uh, all throughout the country. I think there's so many opportunities out there for students to to learn about different av- avenues of pharmacy. So, you know, ask your friends, family members, uh, who they can point you towards, and get after it. That's awesome. Well, Tyler, thanks for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks so much, Tony. Have a great day. It's been an honor to be on here with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Okay, so again, if you're a P3 going to ASHP Midyear 2016, make sure to link your leadership accomplishments on Twitter to hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. It's clear that we might have some at Auburn. Uh, we'll be providing a stipend uh, for one student registration. We'll announce that person on October 28, 2016. Uh, and if your organization is interested in sponsoring the Pharmacy Future Leaders podcast, please go to pharmacypodcast.com uh, and email Todd Yuri from there. Thanks again to, for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders.